So, um, I have this, I have a, I have this friend who, who he, he, he knows how to get to me because whenever we go through crisis together and we speak about getting slapped in the face and feeling so pressured, he says, hmm, isn't this a wonderful opportunity? And I always want to smack him whenever he says that. Like, what are you talking about? This is a wonderful opportunity. This is, this is, this is choshech. This is darkness, what we're feeling right now. He says, isn't this? No. The second that I look at what I'm going through as an opportunity, as opposed to I'm getting smacked, I just change the mitziut. I change the reality of whatever it is that I'm going through. The second, I, this is an important concept that we want to work, want to work with this concept throughout the year. My definition of what's thrown into my face changes the reality of what it is. And we're going to plug this into the world of tshuva. And the truth is, the only you know what you have to work on in the month of Elul. No, don't think that anybody can tell you. Nobody can tell you. Nobody can tell you what you have to work on. We could say the big things, you know, be more makpid on this, more makpid on this. If someone tells me, achdus, one more time, I'm going to smack them. I can't hear that word anymore. <laughs> so, but you hear what I'm saying is that, okay, everything that gets thrown to us in our faces, if I define it as opportunity, I already won. I already won. No matter what's thrown to us in our faces. When we start taking the nair, the candle, into the choshech, into the dark places in our neshamas. <coughs> Excuse me. And we start seeing some shmutz. Tshuva is not did I fix it and clean it. Tshuva is does this look like an opportunity? I want to say that again. You know, everyone's like, there's two times a year you're supposed to take a candle and mamish going to do like a certain B'dikas Chometz. One time is really Erev, Erev Pesach, you're supposed to do a B'dikas Chometz, right? Very clearly, you go inside, you start cleaning up, whatever it is. Elul, there's also B'dikas Chometz going on. But it's not like, let me get rid of everything. It's more like, let me see who I am. Let me see what's here. Let me just find out who it's here. And let me see if I could feel like all these dark places that I'm seeing now are opportunities as opposed to showing me how evil I am. Where is this thought process from? So this obviously is directly connected to the Baal Shem Tov. You know, one time a misnagid came to the Baal Shem Tov and it says, he said, Rebbe, you're supposed to do every mitzvah b'simcha, right? He says, yeah, of course. Well, how am I supposed to do the mitzvah of doing tshuva b'simcha? If doing tshuva means that I find out about all the bad things that are inside me that I have to clean, how can I do those things b'simcha? The Baal Shem Tov said, I want to, like the way the Reb Shlomo said it was great, he said, he said, what do you mean without this awakening and finding out this dark place inside of you, you could have lived your whole life thinking that you are where you're supposed to be. Do you hear that, that, those words? Without that, without seeing that smell, without getting a whiff of whatever that bad smell is, that, that stench of your averas, if you didn't smell it, what would happen? You'd think that where you are is where you're supposed to be. This goes directly to a teaching of the Friedrich Rebbe of Lubavitch that I saw a few weeks ago. Very beautiful, Tyler. It's worth, I'm telling you, 
it's worth just to hear this Torah. The first Pasuk we say, right before the Baal Tokei, I will blow the shofar in a month on Rosh Hashanah, even though the shofar already starts tomorrow morning. But the first, that first shofar blowing, we say, Ashrei Ha'am Yoyindei Right? Just, just that Nusach gets, gets to you, you know. I don't know, for me, hearing the Nusach Rishonim Kippur is already, you're already halfway there. So, Ashrei Ha'am Yodei Teru'ah. What does that mean? Listen to this beautiful teaching. Happy, praiseworthy is the nation who knows the Teru'ah. Who knows, now many people can understand that to say, wow, praiseworthy are the people that identify themselves with the, with the shofar. Praiseworthy are the people that are connected to the mitzvah of hearing the shofar. The Friedrich Rebbe Lubavitch says something, he takes a twist on this, he says, Ashrei ha'am yodei teru'ah. Praiseworthy are the people who hear the teru'ah of their nefesh bahamis and don't get too startled and are thankful that they hear the voice of their nefesh bahamis. Now, what's a nefesh bahamis in Lubavitch? Your animalistic soul, right? In Lubavitch, it's very clear. Our whole lives are compromised of a war between the two nefeshot, the two souls that exist in man. Nefesh bahamit and nefesh elokit. The godly soul and the animalistic soul. And it's always a war between the two. Most people think, oh, if you, get, if you could see that you have a nefesh bahamit, that means you're really in a bad place. And Lubavitch is like, Shmendrik, who are, come on, who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? Let's be real. You think you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna kick out the nefesh bahamit from your being and you're going to walk as a saint in this world? God doesn't need malachim. God needs people who are in touch with their emotions in this world. God doesn't need saints. Saints he has plenty. So the Friedrich Rebbe said, Praiseworthy are the people who hear the trua, they hear the trua of their nefesh ba'amit crying, and they don't get startled, and they say, wow, thank you so much, here is where I need to do some work. Instead of, I hear the trua, I hear the crying of my, of my animalistic soul, and saying, oh, I can't believe that's me. Please. We're all done with that. Ashrei ha'am yodei trua, thank you that I'm looking and I hear the shofar, and I make opportunities out of that sound instead of digging my ditch as deep as I can because I want to hide. You know, I want to be with people. I want to learn with people, not people that feel the need to always share their, their, their dirt, but to be around people where you know that, and I know that we're, we're all going through more or less the same mishigas. It's like this dance called Suffolk in life. Does God exist? And if He does, how much does He love me? And if He does love me, how come He doesn't show me? And if He does love me, how come He doesn't take care of this person? It's all the dance of Suffolk. It's not really anything else. Because if we had no doubt about the existence of God, if no one had doubt about the existence of God, none of us would have to do tshuva over anything. There would be no concept of tshuva. What am I doing tshuva for? If I live a life of nochach pnei Hashem, that I'm always in front of the Ribbon Shleilam, there is no way that I could do an Avera. The Gemara tells us, a person doesn't over Avera, ela im ken nichnas bo ruach shtus. A person is only capable of doing an Avera when a spirit of, this sounds very Christian, spirit of folly, 
uh, uh, overcomes him. I don't know what spirit of folly even means. I just know that's how you translate it. But, you know, like, like a ruach, like a, a ruach of shtuyot comes and takes it for a second. It's like, ah, you don't really believe in it, so go and do what you're doing right now. We're not that, we're, we're all in the same zach. We're all in the same place. And we're all trying to understand, like, friends, let's help each other. How do we use moments of clarity of seeing my schmutz and saying what an opportunity this is as opposed to, oh man, this is who I've become? You know, I don't know any person whose mamish done tshuva that lasted from a place of, I'm so disgusting, I want to be better. I've heard of other types of tshuva that, that last forever. But tshuva... I've never, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but you ever, you ever hear of a person, you ever see a person who when he takes a look at his life and he sees, oh my God, I'm so dirty, that what happens to him is what? And now I feel like being an Eved Hashem that does stuff besamcha. No. That means that tonight we have to do a very hard thing on our FFB neshamas. Very hard thing on our from from birth souls. And by now, all you Baal Tshuvas in the room are FFBs because you get, people get from so fast and they feel part of the community so fast. So even those of you who didn't grow up from, we're all FFBs on a certain level. And hopefully also BTs by the end of Elul on a certain level as well. But the hard thing that we're going to have to do right now is to redefine the concept of Tshuva and redefine the concept of sin and redefine the concept of coming home. That's a lot for one night, especially for half an hour. So for now, let's just try to touch upon what it is that might need to be rearranged a little bit. Um, in Lubavitch, about like 200 years ago, it was known that whenever you'd walk through Lubavitch in the month of Elul, we said this on Shabbos, and you just say the word Elul, or people would have Elul on their minds, there was such a feeling of, of yir of a fachad, of such fear and awe, but, not, but in, in a holy way, and even in a simchadik way, but a very, very high level of like very conscious, of the consciousness and the awareness of Elul was very, very much in the air. You know, we've had a summer that there's been awareness and a consciousness that's very, very much in the air. Uh, even, I mean, uh, last night, I'll just, you know, like many of you, well, many of you maybe on the street, we, we actually don't hear the siren so well, if at all, where we live over here, down here. So, you know, we, we have to keep some windows open, I have to sleep with the red app, the, the alert on, and all these different things to try to figure out, you know, am I going to hear it or not, and am I going to get, you know, all the questions that, that no one should ever have to be thinking about how fast can I get my child into a sealed room, all that Michigan, it's just, just craziness. It's not, it's not how people are supposed to think. So the awareness of what's going on in the world, I mean, even right now, before, we were trying to get the girls to shluf, Bina's preparing dinner, and of course, it's like they know, okay, they're announcing that there's going to be some kind of a ceasefire. So what does that mean when we know there's going to be some kind of a ceasefire? That for the next hour, be prepared for, 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 for an azakah. Itamar and I were Tisha of morning. We, we knew it. We called it. We knew it. They announced that there was going to be a ceasefire at 8 a.m. 
So what does that mean? That 7 to 8 a.m. are going to be the craziest, craziest moments. It keeps on happening. So on a level of like awareness, what this has done to us, on a level of awareness, is that it's taken what's happening on physically, and it's, 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 I don't even know what the right words are, it's forced its way into our neshamas. That's on a physical world. That something physical took place and it forced its way into our neshamas. And we're living, breathing the consciousness and the awareness of what's taking place down there. Can you imagine if on the level of time, the power of the month of Elul was forced into our being? That it wouldn't be a thing of that we have to try to, oh, I'm really trying to connect to, but that it was pushed into who we are? Like when we slept at night, just like we sleep with red app alerts, you know, there's like this shofar blowing alerts every morning, the same, the same level, mm-hmm. that there's something going on. Now the only way, and maybe the tikkun for what's going on, is if we can take Elul on the opportunity level, and f- f- like, I don't even know what the right word is, but to like, lit on the level of shlemut and of simcha. The only way that it can get into us on an awareness level is if it's done besimcha. I'll try to explain. I saw a beautiful, beautiful teaching of the Chidush Harim. The most, you know, the Chidush Harim is the first Ger Rebbe, and he says the most wonderful thing, beautiful thing. I'll just say very fast in Hebrew, and we'll translate it. Bayamim Kadmonim in ancient days, hayu mesakfim etatzman besigufim bechodesh Elul. Do you know what Elul was like before the Baal Shem? People would literally maybe stay up late at night and, and tear their clothes in Kriya like at midnight or they would run around in the snow without clothes on middle of the night, take up fast for God knows how long, take upon themselves a lot of what's called sigufim. It's like a siguf is like a, um, like a, like a yisurim, like, like, like afflictions. Yeah, is that a word? That right? Afflictions. That's how people would get prepared for Elul. Can you imagine? We're getting prepared for Rosh Hashanah, and all I got to do is in order to do tshuva and make sure that I'm worthy of crowning the king, I need to dig deep with my nails and go where it hurts and, be, and just be there and try to take care of where it hurts and in a painful way. That's how people would get ready for Rosh Hashanah. Says the Chidush Yarnim. But... He said that he mamish, um, he uh, split open the heavens, he, he cracked open the shamayim, the skies. And what he did was is that he did whatever he could so that the way in which we relate to Elul and Shuva would be different. And it wouldn't mean that we would need pain and affliction anymore. Rabbi Nachman said this also, that you know, Rabbi Nachman fasted, and he, for, I think for, from the age of eight, he stopped chewing on his food, he, he wouldn't want to enjoy it, just swallowed it, like wild stuff. And fasted so many times, full weeks till Shabbos, and then he said that when he realized the power of his bodhus, he wouldn't have done, he wouldn't have done all those things. So all breasts were like, Thank God. (laughs) Thank God. I I, I don't, like, 
the Torah says very clearly in Yom Kippur, Ve'initem et nafshatechem. Yes. So Hasidus took that and said, Ah, ve'anitem you, answered your souls. Malasot, initem comes from the word inui. inui. What's inui? Doesn't mean to answer yourself. No, I mean, it's, it's like torture. It's like, yeah, but still, in a way, ve'initem et nafshatechem, when you torture your soul, you can torture your soul not with a a total physical thing. You torture your soul with, with your mind. I think that that's worse than any kind of physical... No, it's a good question. It's a great question. Like, where would that come from that people would think that in order to do tshuva, it's about self-torture? I think that it's more hard for human beings to understand. So this is what it is. I is think... Is torture or not enjoying, or not exceeding pleasure? I don't think yeah. It's not mm. really torture. Well, here... What he, what, what he said here is that it's really, the, pe- people would, yeah, people would mamish take upon themselves very heavy things. I think that if like this, we're looking at a new year of getting clean, of feeling like we're totally like new people, right? And I want to feel worthy that I deserve a certain chance and whatever it is. If I show up like this, hey, look at all the work I did, I worked so hard, I'm not going to think that anyone's going to believe me. That's when I'm dealing with a human being. If I want to show someone that I worked really hard on myself to a human being, if I show that it was such a simchadik way, I'll probably not give over the impression that I actually really dug, dug deep into my neshama. But when it comes to the Rebbeinah then it's the other way around. If I show up like a schlepper and I give an account of all my averas and how much tshuva I did, I miss the whole point of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur and everything. By the Ribbonish Leilam, the cleanliness is that I find a way to look at the dark stuff and interpret it as, like we kept on saying all year long, opportunities. But if, again, I, I, I get caught all the time in relating to God, like I relate to human beings, to pagan worship. But that's where I think it comes from. That torture... That's where I think it comes from. If someone like if you hurt someone's feelings and you beg them for a second chance and you say, I'll do whatever whatever you want, and then you go off on your way, they say, Okay, and you go off on your way and they take a look at you all month to see if you're doing a cheshbon hanefesh, if you're really taking what you did into consideration and going deep, digging deep down inside. But you're doing it like this and you're showing that, you know, it looks like you're having a really it looks like you're having a good time with it, they're not gonna think you took it so seriously. But we're not dealing with the way with people. Leave that for a seriously tshuva. In Elul, the tshuva is a different ballgame. But anyway, let's just continue with the Chidush Yerim is saying. He's saying that's what it used to be. But Rebbe Lemelech Lejans comes along, cracks open the heavens, and says, that derech isn't needed anymore. There's a different derech. Hu pa'al ki nochal lehikanes la'avoda מגושמים חלילה, רק פעל בקדושה, צרי, ולא הייתה כוונת רבי אלימלך זצר, שפעל כי נוכל להיכנס לעבודה מגושמים חלילה. It's not that חס ושלום, now you don't need to do torturous stuff, so now you could just, he says, מגושמים, take all your materialism and not have to worry about anything and walk into Elul feeling all fine. He says, רק פעל בקדושתו, with his kedusha, he made sure that with, through his Kedusha Ma'asim Tovim, sheyiftechu shefa Kedusha, v'sheyuchlu anashim lavo lehitpashtut ha-gashmiut b'lisigufim. What's the point of tshuva? Hitpashtut 
Hagashmiut. What does that mean? Ridding yourselves of Gashmius, right? So people used to think that the only way to separate myself from Gashmiut was what? Hammers. Nails. The Rebbe Limelech comes with the Chiddush. He says, you could do that? You could come to that place of ridding yourself of all unnecessarily materialism through Simcha. And when you do it like that, it actually... What's that? And it actually stays away. You see, if you push off the darkness and whatever the materialism for let's just focus on that, but you do it with such pain and you sin, you have such memories of like how it keeps on coming back and you keep on on after fighting it. But somehow when you do something and you marchik it and you you distance it from you, besimcha, that simcha of Kuk talks about that it's like a double portion of tshuva, that you push it away double, like, with double the amount of koch, and it doesn't come back to you. Which we're going to get to. Okay, v'zeh tov ve'yafeyoter ma'asher lavo al yedei sigufim. And this is more better and more beautiful than getting close to the Rebbeinah by taking a hammer and punching yourself in the face. V'chen ka'asher, now look what he says here. This is what it's all about. This last line. I got to do it and then when a person comes with the hisorus of tshuva, an awakening of tshuva, and ridding himself from the feeling of that he needs gashmius materialism, but it comes from kedushas shabbos, who miyupe beyoter. This is such a beautiful thing. What do I feel like I'm missing on shabbos? Nothing. Alavai, right? But anyone that's ever had a real Shabbos in their life, they know. If you ask a person while they're in Shabbos, what are you missing? What's the answer? Gurnisht. Nothing. Wait a second. How does a person come to such tshuva and shlemus from not having to work too hard and actually doing beautiful things in Kedusha? Because that's the beauty of Shabbos is that the tshuva a person does, and Shabbos is the same letters as, as tshuva, obviously, the, the beautiful place that a person gets to from the Gedusha of Shabbos is the, is the most beautiful, he says, is that's the nicest place a person can come to. And what happens to us every Shabbos, by Shabbos afternoon, Shabbos morning, you always feel like, oh, man, I, I, want, I want to be better. I, want, I could be better. This is who I am. This is what I want. And hey, you got there without digging deep into the dark corners of your life. That means you got there just b'simcha. Ah, so the so the Chiddush kind of bases this in the Noman and and saying like this. Let's redefine tshuva for a second. Let's understand that Elul does not mean that you're supposed to only look serious. It also is. But what's definitely not what you're supposed to be doing is to try to show God how much it's clear to you how bad you are. Because no one comes out of that. You come out of that with stains. With stains of darkness. With stains of the Sitra Achra. You got to somehow go into that place of darkness with the flashlight, with the candle, and come out with a smile. Not because, oh, okay, I, I saw how dirty I am and it doesn't bother me. No. 
But I saw, Ashrei Ha'am Yodei Trua. Thank you so much, Ribbono Shalaylam. I'm so thankful that I'm not going to continue living in, in the illusion that where I am now is fine and where it's supposed to be. And instead of that um, 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 physically uh, paralyzing me, I turned that into a schut. I turned that into simcha. Thank God I have a chance. Remember the, the Torah of the, 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 I don't know, the Baal Shem Tov, one of the tzaddikim says, you know, what a, what a <coughs> if we didn't have all these Avedas, you you'd be less, where would all our Heliga Nigunim come from? You know, all our heligas, these heart-wrenching nigunim come from Yidin that took a look, deep look into their deepest depths and saw how much a person struggles in this world and sees how difficult it is for a person to be in this world and still chooses to sing to God. Where does that come from? So it comes from taking a look at dark places. But where did I take it to? I took it to the world of opportunity. That's amazing. That's tshuva. The world of opportunity. You know, Rav Cook in the first, that's the first, I think it's the, right in the beginning, Rav Cook's Ursa, how could we not mention Rav Cook's name tonight? <coughs> Rav Cook begins off Ursa Tshuva and he speaks about a lot of different worlds of Tshuva. But there's one concept he talks about which is called Tshuva Pit Omit, which means he, he, he likens that to the Tshuva of like a flash. What does that mean, a tshuva of a flash? It means that it wasn't a build-up that led you to the decision that you're going to become a better person, but it's that you were held captive and touched by a moment which you know <coughs> changed you forever. I want to tell you, I'm very jealous of Rib Shlomo and of other people that had the opportunity to be touched, to have moments of tshuva that lasted their whole lives because they couldn't stop talking about it until they were mamish close to their deathbed. The one person specifically that I'm speaking about that caused that tshuva pit omit, that sudden flash of tshuva on them, was his Rebbe, who was Reb Shlomo's living Rebbe in life. <coughs> Shlomo's Rebbe, and the person that probably had most ashpanim on a human level, on a Rebbe level, was the Friedrich Rebbe in Lubavitch, who I mentioned before, the sixth Rebbe, Rebbe Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson. I have a picture of him that I take a look at that and I get maybe like a one millionth of what he felt when he would describe the following. And the truth is, I was watching, obviously when people, I have this, you know, I've always been talking about this, I have this fact, and when people die, I suddenly start learning from them and watching them on YouTube and learning their tzvarim and whatever is more than when they were alive. It's just the way I am, I'm trying to do tikkun about that, that's why anyone that's alive now, I'm trying to like meet and see if it's, it's like a very weird thing. It's my tshuva, don't wait till they're dead to learn from them, right? But some people, it's very hard to learn from them while they're alive because there's such a big bowl of contradictions that you can't get over it. There's one more person like this that with Rib Shlomo, both were privileged to really drink from the fountain of the Friedeker Rebbe. Rib Shlomo says, I saw the Friedeker Rebbe's face the second after he took his talis off after Tkiyas Shofar on the second day of Rosh Hashanah. And that face that just heard the whisper of God stuck within him forever. That image. That's tshuva pitomit. Boom! We have a lot of moments like that. Where it's like little things that just do something to us and they trigger us and it's like, they already take us to the world. Not just opportunity. I'm in the opportunity. I'm swimming in it. 
There's a story about the Todos Yaakov Yosef, the first person to publish the Baal Shem Tov's Torah, that he traveled for, for hours and hours and hours just to what? To see the way the Baal Shem Tov ties his shoes. He said he learned from that moment of seeing how he tied, the Baal Shem Tov ties his shoes. I'm saying these examples because I want us to understand something. Getting a zetz of tshuva doesn't just mean that you dig deep and you look deep inside and you're able to find those places inside of you. Sometimes people can't afford to start digging deep inside. You know why? Because they'll get swamped in the schmutz and they won't know how to get out of it. So what do they need? They need tshuva pitomit, a second of a zetz. Um, I'm sure it's happened to many of you different, different moments in life. I know it's happened to me can't even tell you how many different moments in life in different places. I wish I remembered it longer, but I know it has an everlasting effect on my neshama. Um, one time, the, 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 the Kol Aryeh, one of the, the, the sons of a, of a, of a, of a Tzanzer, said also, he, he said he traveled and traveled and traveled. He got late. He wanted to see the Tzanzer Rebbe. By the end, he gets to Tzanz, and he saw the Tzanzer Rebbe coming out of the bathroom, and all he had time was to hear the Tzanzer Rebbe say, the Asher Yatzar. And he said that he lived off seeing the Tzanzer Rebbe say the Asher Yatzai for the rest of his life. <coughs> after the war, there was a chassid. I'll give you another story. After the war, there was a chassid who somehow found his way to, um, to see the Slonim Rebbe light Hanukkah candles. He said that he went through the war, he saw hell back and forth. But he gets to the Slonim Rebbe and he sees the way the Slonim Rebbe is lighting the candles. And then Slonim and most Hasidus they say, three times before they, they, they light the candles. He said, the way the Rebbe said, kept me a yid. It's the only thing that saved me after the six million. <coughs> so we have those things called chuvas of a flash. And when we have chuva of a flash, a moment, I don't need to, at that moment, dig too deep into my schmutz because I'm just living off of what that moment did to me. Now here we come to the hard part. The very hard part. This is where we're ending. We're really only starting. This is the beginning of Elo. We can't rely on tshuva pitomit. You can't rely on the flashes of tshuva because they don't happen when you wait for them. They happen when you least expect them. And that's why they dig deeper. That's why they hit you the most, because you least expect it. You can't walk around, you can't decide, you wake up in the morning and be like, okay, today, I'm going to be extra cautious, I'm going to be extra open to maybe be, prepare myself for a bunch of moments of chuba pitomit, of sudden chuba, sudden moments that will shake me to my core and stop. It doesn't work like that. Even with your own children, if you decide in the morning, today I'm just going to be waiting for those moments that remind me how lucky I am and how beautiful the world is. That, that's not how we work. That's not how a person is programmed. If you sit and wait for it to happen, it could be that it will happen, but it won't, it won't do the job. It won't put a ketam in your neshama. It won't, it won't stir you up at all. How frightening it is that the tshuva of our door today is that we get a glimpse of our own neshamas, not someone else's neshamas. And this is much harder to do. That which the Friedrich Rebbe might have triggered into Reb Shlomo, can you imagine? 
if we were able to do that to ourselves? <coughs> do you know how ever you know how netzach those moments are? You think it's impossible, right? You should see what you guys look like right now. Every person in here, until I said that right now, look like we're all doomed for, for the darkest El, because how in the world could I do that to myself? You know, there's a, there's a three-week-old baby in the room. You think God would give Ruth Menachem this baby if he didn't trust them? Now think of it in, in, in other terms. Do you think God gives us what he gives us, but he doesn't trust us to see beauty in our lives? To be blown away by our own neshamas? This is the hardest work. If I could look into my own life and realize that everything Hashem put in front of me, the, 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 the majesty, the magic, the beautiful, and all that just for one reason, to look at everything as an opportunity, I would blow myself away. <coughs> and when I blow myself away, that I see a moment of how powerful I can be in the schools of God, that's the tshuva which is called more hajragati, which means, <coughs> um, what would be the right word for that, hajragati? Um, process. Process, yeah. What'd you say? Gradual, gradual yeah. Gradual. gradual. That, you need both. Rav Kook says there's both. And you need both. You need the moments. You need the moments to shake you. You need the moments to take you and be like, go to another world. You need those tzaddikim. You need those moments in life. Jerry and I went to go see a tzaddik last year in Yerushalayim. We met this 68-year-old Breslover Chassid walking the streets of Yerushalayim with us when he heard that Jerry had just moved to Israel. He got on the floor in the middle of the street and started kissing the sidewalk and just got up and continued walking again. Boom. You ever going to forget that for the rest of your life? But you know what? That's not enough for us to feel like we're... It, it's an, it was enough for the moment. But that's not enough to stand up before the Rebbe Nishleim Rosh Hashanah. Okay, <coughs> I had that moment. Now I'm ready. I need to see that place in me. And the only way I can see that kind of wow in me is if I become so much more in touch with my emotions and with my being with zero fear as to what I'm going to see. You see, if I begin this search into myself, and I already warn myself and say, look, you might see the darkest things in the world. God is there. Then you might see darker things too. What's a Kaddish Baruch Hu? Hashoichen itam b'seich tumasam. Hashoichen itam betoch tumatam. That God resides within us in those places of Tumah as well, there's a spark that needs to be lifted. Again, and what, unless it's translated again back to our shir, if I begin this search in the month of Elul, and again, I'm not going to tell you what to do and how to do it, that's, that's your problem. There's not, no, 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 there's not. Like Shlomo said, that, that, that someone came to the Mitzvah Rebbe and said, Rebbe, you wrote, you wrote so many words on, I think it was the Mitzvah Rebbe, he said, you wrote so many books on Shuvah, how do you? How, how does one do tshuva? He's like, do you think that anyone can tell you? I can write fifty books about tshuva, can't tell you. Just like you could read fifty books on good parenting, that I might have nothing to do with how you parent, how you're supposed to parent. 
Reb Shlomo said it like this. He said it beautifully. He said, maybe, maybe this will help you. He said, you know what tshuva is? Tshuva is that that thing which makes me special got messed up during the year. And all I have to do with tshuva is I have to reconnect that thing which makes me special to the Rebbe Shleimah. And the only way to know what is that thing that makes me special is really through his bodhidus. What is that thing that makes me special? And where did it get blemished? Where did it get, where, where, where is it dark? But you can't ask that question from fear. You have to ask that question saying, not only am I dragging you with me into that place, I kind of know that you're hiding there as well. You see, El is one big mirror. When people are on diets in the beginning and they have a mirror in front of them, what do they do? <coughs> or for years, what leads to a person needing to do a diet is that they did look at a mirror, but, and they stood right in front of a mirror, but the only place they looked at was the place where people gained the least amount of weight, which is like the eyebrows or something like that, right? So that's all, they, that's all they're looking at whenever they look in the mirror, right? So they, in their minds, like, okay. But really, there's, there's, a, there's like the rest of the body as well. Tshuva is, is that every day I decide I'm going to let myself now look at the other area in my body. The Amalek of, 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 of this whole story is when I take on more than one thing at a time. If you start by taking on more than one thing at a time, you lost your Elul. You blew your Elul. Elul is one day at a time. It's one tefillah at a time. You can't take on 30 opportunities at once. You can only take on one opportunity as they come. Only one. When a person goes inside and looks and he looks at the dirt and he sees dirt, he doesn't start saying, oh good, let's see what else I'm... No. You stop. You take that one thing. You work on exercising that one area in your body. We need to be ready to start connecting with our bodies and our neshamas in a completely new way, a way which never existed before in our own lives. Something new. We have to listen in ways we never listened before. After what happened this summer, we have to daven in ways we never davened before. We have to love and a level like we never, ever loved before. Ever. Every mitzvah has to be kept in a way that was never kept before. Ever. So I can give you a leader with one last hint, Amy. And that's that. It's a famous Torah from the Ishbitzer that we learn every year. <coughs> that on Elul, you see, while I'm doing this avoda on myself, people are thinking, we, we said the word shmutz a lot tonight. I want to flip the whole thing over to the way the Ishbitzer says Elul is. All year long, I'm supposed to be doing tshuva. We said this on Shabbos. What do you mean, Elul's tshuva? Every day I say, Slach lano avinu ki chatanu, tshuva, you want tshuva. Every day I gotta do tshuva. What if I talk Lashon Hara, I could do it 11 months, because don't worry, there's one month where I, don't, where I could just take care of it. Mapitom. All year long I gotta do tshuva. So what's going on in Elul? It says the Bnei Sachar, a beautiful thing. This will also explain to you why I married who I marry. <coughs> the gematria of the word Elul is the same gematria as the word Bina. What is Bina? Bina is a little bit deeper than just Chochmah. 
It's not just what I... Chochmah is easy. I did an Avera, I got to do Tshuva. What's Bina? Bina is a much deeper understanding of what I'm supposed to be doing in the world. Says Reb Shlomo, in the name of the Ishbitzer, all year long I got to do Tshuva on the things that it's clear that I got to do Tshuva for. What's harder? Doing Tshuva for all the things that I did right, that I could have done so much better. That's Bina. That's much harder. I already keep Shabbos. I already keep kosher. I already say brachas. I already have a chavrusa. I already go to a shir. I already sit with my kids and do bedtime stories. Any parent that doesn't that says that they can't do it any better, oy vavoy. Oy vavoy. Elul, and what I'm getting ready for here now is that I'm looking at all those things that could have been better, and I say, what an opportunity I have now. I'm already doing them. I could do it so much better? What a month. Friends, I bless us that this month we take one mitzvah at a time. One, go slowly here. Very slowly. What do you mean? It's only a month. Trust me. If you get two things done in this month, you're doing very, very, very good. Take, go, go to two places. One place, you know what, forget it. But start by when you go to sleep tonight, look back at the opportunities you had today. And today maybe you'll be like, oh shoot, maybe, maybe, maybe tonight don't do that because it'll be too heavy. But tomorrow morning, wake up, ask yourself, am I feeling like today is an opportunity day, opportune day? And when you go to sleep, look at all the opportunities you had. And if you get depressed because you saw you didn't go into all those opportunities, stop yourselves immediately and say, wow, today passed so fast. I can't wait for tomorrow to come. Day by day, moment after moment, mitzvah after mitzvah, shachris after shachris. It's not, this is not a race and it's not a competition. It's none of that. It's being utmost real. It's getting to know ourselves. It's standing in front of that mirror and each of us have a certain diet to do. And this year, we're not scared to look at any, from any angle. From any angle. You know, I have a, those of you who've ever been into music, put out music, so you know, like, when you have a rough mix of what you're working on, but in your opinion, it's not finished yet and you, you want to play it for somebody. So, you know, when you play them, first of all, you always start playing the track, saying, oh, by the way, this isn't done, and that's not, and the person's thinking, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, I don't care, but you have to tell them, no, it's not done, this isn't rough mixed here, and everyone, and anyone that's not a musician is saying, I don't know what you're talking about, I just want to hear the track. But <clears throat> when you go over that part of the track, that's it's a little bit rough and bumpy, what do you usually do? You start talking over very loud so the person wouldn't hear at that moment, or you start coughing, or you turn... I've done it. I've done it many times, right? It's the way it is. Yana, you've done it before. <laughs> Elu, there's no talking over the track. There's no talking over the track. There's no explaining, oh, I'm really trying to do... No. What you have right now is all you have right now. And there's an opportunity to make that track sound so much better and so much sweeter. But you have to, when you work in the studio, you got to go to the exact second and find it in the track. Here too, you got to go to that exact place that you'll find out that place is called what makes you special. 
and ask, how do I reconnect this thing that's only about me back to you? Don't know if that helps, but, but we're all in this together. Let's sing one nigga one more time. This is my nigga we started with. I just put it on the new album. And it's Rosh Hashanah, so I want to sing it. transcend time, right? <coughs> How many people took hold of this opportunity that just took place the last two minutes? <laughs> we have to redefine tshuva still. Tshuva is now. <coughs> tshuva is the way you walk out. Tshuva is the way you think until you go to sleep tonight. Tshuva is the most closest thing to us. Tshuva Kadmala, oh, the concept of Tshuva was even created before the world was created. Tshuva is in front of us right now. Right now, the way we're looking at each other. Let's, let's redefine these concepts of Tshuva because then every moment will be so much more meaningful and our years on the face of this earth will last so much longer. There will be a real Orech Yamim, Arichus Yamim. The days be so la- so much longer when we realize every moment is an opportunity. Every single moment. 
Smile. Good. Dismissed. Thank you so much. Which one? Oh, yeah, yeah. All your baggage. Everything. That's